And, and with the four weeks left we have here, as Todd was already talking about, what we want to do is we want to just begin to paint this picture of Jesus, uh, of how he lived his life, how he interacted with people, um, the, way, the way he showed love, the way he showed caring, the way he served, and, and that y'all could begin to model that in y'all's lives. And, and it comes from Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, and it's, it's the opening of our verse and for this series. It's just what we want to grab hold of. And it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And so as we're hearing that, like, just like what Jake was talking about, man, God's love, he loves us unconditionally. And and I love what it it says there just about, man, let us be imitators of God. it's It's not a request it's not a suggestion, but it's a command. He's, he's expecting you to live your life in such a way that you would imitate God, that you would imitate Christ. And so what I want y'all to grab a hold of, of today is this idea. And what this idea is, is that our identity defines our actions. And what I mean by that, by any identity, you know, uh, you, know you're, you play sports, that can be an identity. You go to school, that can be an identity. Um, you're a student, that could be any of these things, they come with a separate and unique set of actions. So if, if we were talking about a football player, we might say, you know, a football player looks like um, he has pads on, he tackles some fool running with a football, um, football players throw football, they catch football. And so with that identity of a football player, there's a, there's a certain set of actions that go along with it. You think of maybe you students. And so if I was going to begin to describe the actions of students, I would say, man, they probably spend a little too much time in school. Maybe some of you would agree. And, and then when you come home, what do you do? Home, homework? Y'all don't do homework? Okay, I guess school's changed since I was in school. Because when I was in school, they made us go home and do homework. Apparently, y'all have it easy. But, uh, but so maybe, and so these actions come out of your identity as a student, I have a funny video to show y'all that, of this identity. Maybe some of y'all kind of uh, can uh, come and agree with maybe this is where you are in life. But if y'all can show that video real quick. And so, so maybe some of y'all identify with that video. I see a lot of people pointing over at Roman Corley over there. And so not that that means anything. But, uh, but so maybe as you can see that what that video did is it said there's this identity, a Christian hipster and, and if you identify as a Christian hipster, then this is what it looks like and this is what you do. And so, so y'all, y'all, y'all get this idea that identity defines action. And what Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 is telling us is it gives us an identity and it gives us an action. And what it says is that we're, we're called children, beloved children. And so we're, our identity is we're, we're the children of God. We're followers of Christ. And the action that he gives us is he says, hey, Hey, go and walk in love. Go live a life of love. Go, go look like Jesus. Be imitators of God. And so if we want to be Christians like God called us to be, man, then we have to go out and do that. We have to look like God. We have to live a life of love. We have to walk in love. And so this kind of begs the question of, okay, if I want to look like Jesus, then what does Jesus look like? And and what I want to do, I have, I've tried to just narrow it down into four things that we can just grab a hold of and do every day in our lives. Man, and that first thing is just to obey God. You see um, Jesus say in John fifteen ten, 
He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And, and what Jesus is saying there and how Jesus has lived, and he just lived every day obeying God. He says, hey, God, every day your way over my way. And, and that's how he lived his life. You see Jesus when, man, he's, he's in the garden before he goes to the cross and before he goes to bear our sin. And you just see this scene where he is just so overwhelmed by the weight of sin that he's going to have to bear and what's going to happen on the cross. And, and, and you see him, and he's having this prayer, and it's so intense, he's sweating blood. And I, so, I mean, that's intense. I don't think any of y'all have ever been so overwhelmed you've sweat blood before, but this is where Jesus is at, and he's just praying to God. He says, hey, if there's any other way, if you can take this from me, if there's any other way, man, then can we do that? But, but if this is your will, if this is what you want, then that's what we're going to do. I'll, I'll obey you in that. And so you just see Jesus lived his life saying, God, I'll, I'll obey you no matter what, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the situation, no matter what it cost us. He says, hey, I'll obey God, even if it costs me my popularity, even if it costs me friends, me obeying God is more important than that. And, and for some of us in this room, we don't have the problem of, of, of saying, hey, whether I want to obey God, we're like, yeah, man, I'd love to obey God. He just hasn't asked me to do anything. And, and the problem is, is you've never picked up this book and, and see what he's asked you to do and how you live your life. Man, and so for some of you, I would say, man, you gotta, you got to get in here. God writes in here about how much he loves you and how life works best. And for you to come in here and be like, okay, God, I see that that way is better than this way, so let me obey you. And it's, it's a beautiful thing, and that's what Jesus did. Another thing you see Jesus doing is he loved unbiasedly. And what I mean by that, if you know what, what being biased means, it's having like a preconceived notion, it's being against something. And so what Jesus did is Jesus lived in a way that that, that didn't happen in his life. And, and so you see him rubbing shoulders with the worst of the worst. Man, he's living life, he's walking down the street, and he has prostitutes, he has thieves, he has murderers hanging around out around him. The people that he goes to, he seeks out these people. And, and you sit there and you wonder, man, why would, why would he do that? And it's because he cared about these people. And, and Jesus didn't have a problem calling sin, sin. In our society, it's, it's, it's very unpopular to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. But Jesus didn't have a problem doing that, man. He would say, hey, what you're doing is absolutely wrong. But, but he did it in a way that was loving. He didn't point fingers and point out people's faults. He just said, hey, what you're doing is wrong. It's going to lead to a bad place. Let me walk with you. Let me love you. Let, let's do this together. If you, if you look in Luke 7, you're going to see this story where Jesus is eating dinner with this religious leader, and they're sitting down there together, and this, this woman comes up to him, and he knows that this woman's sin, she's probably a prostitute, and, and she comes up, and she has this bottle of perfume. It's, it's how she made her living, and what she did is she, she opens it and pours it out on Jesus' feet. And, and she's so worked up that she is just sobbing. Like she is sobbing tears, like big crocodile tears coming off of her face. And she's just sobbing on his feet and she grabs her hair and she just begins to clean her feet. Man, and that religious leader that Jesus is eating dinner with, he's just like, man, if, if Jesus only knew who this, this person was, he wouldn't, he wouldn't let her do that. He wouldn't let her get near him. She's too dirty. She's rotten. Look, look, look at what she's done. Why would he hang out with her? And Jesus, because he's God, he, he knows that he's thinking this, and he kind of 
proposes this story to him. He says, hey, um, there, there was two people, and, and both of them had debts. One was a tremendous debt, but, but the other one was, was less, and, and the master that they owed the debt to came to them one day and said, hey, you can't pay it. I'll, I'll forgive both of your debts. And he, he asks the religious leader, he says, hey, who do you think was more thankful? Who do you think was more grateful? And he, he says, hey, the, the, probably the one with the greater debt. And, and Jesus is like, exactly. And so it is with this woman because her great debt was big. But she's been forgiven and you just see this beautiful scene. And, and the thing is, is that Jesus could have said, hey, um, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm kind of a big deal like, people know me, God of the universe. It's kind of, it's kind of a big thing. But, so, so I need you to kind of step back. I got my paparazzi around me, so I'm going to need you to take a few steps back. But that's not what he does. Man, he cares about this woman. Man, he, he goes through, he cares about her problems. And the person he gets mad at isn't her. Man, he gets mad at the religious person that's, that's too uptight, that's too proud to even associate with this woman. And so that's how he lived his lies. So, so as we go out and we want to love unbiasedly, I mean, we, we can't go around just pointing fingers and saying, hey man, you did this, you did this. We have to call sin, sin. I mean, we, we have to tell people that what they're doing is wrong, but we have to love on them and say, man, what you're doing is wrong because God has something better for you. Let's, let's join forces. Let's walk together through this. Another thing Jesus did is he served sacrificially. You see Jesus as he's, he's living his life, walking from town to town, place to place. Man, he just goes around and meets people's needs. Man, he, he goes to the sick and he heals them. He goes to the hungry and he feeds them. He goes to the thirsty and he gives them water. He finds the lost. Man, he, he helps the scared. And this is how he lived his life. You see this story where, man, Jesus is on, kind of on this hill and he's teaching and all these people are coming up to him because they want to listen. It'd be like here, like all of you students are coming to, to hear someone speak and talk about God. But there's 5,000 of y'all in the crowd and you're all crazy hungry. So if that was y'all here, y'all coming to us and expecting us to feed you, we'd be like, hey man, we ran out of lollipops when Todd was throwing them out. So I don't, you got to go do something for yourself. Man, but what Jesus does, he's so moved by this. He says, hey, we got to do something. we got to meet these people's needs. So he, he gets some fish and he gets some bread and he feeds 5,000 people and their families. And I'm not sure if you realize that, how crazy that is. And then they have leftovers. Like, if you get me and some of my boys together and you put some food in front of us, there's probably not going to be leftovers. But this is 5,000 people plus their families and there's leftovers. Like, that is insane. But Jesus went and this is how he lived. He's moved with compassion for people's needs. Why, why does he care? Because people matter to God, and people need to matter to us too. The, the fourth way Jesus lived his life is he lived intentionally. And, and what I mean by that is he lived with perspective. And, and Jesus knew two things, and we need to learn these two things. The first thing Jesus knew is, is he knew that we're not going to be here forever. I mean, Jesus always knew that the cross was just around the corner. Every town he went, he knew he was one step closer to that goal. And so he lived his life very intentionally, who he talked to, where he went, and how he talked to them, because he knew every opportunity was a chance for someone to come to know him. And the second thing he knew, and the thing we need to know, 
is that the people around us, the people God's put in our lives, man, they're not living forever either. And every day they're one step closer to to, to where they're going to end up, and you have the opportunity to have impact on that. You have the opportunity to have influence. And And what Jesus did, if I could sum up, he lived with an urgency. Like this urgency, he knew that it was life or death at stake. And and I, I've seen students like y'all live with urgency. Two weeks ago, we were in the country of Nicaragua, and, and some of y'all in this crowd were there. Man, and I saw something on the last day that, that moved me, because what I saw was I saw a bunch of students who knew what urgency felt like. They knew that they only had a couple hours left with these people. Man, and you saw, man, some of you guys, you're just grabbing children, like putting them in front of a translator and saying, like, tell them this. And you're praying over people, and they can't even understand you, and you're just asking God that they can understand this. Man, and you're just crying and, and pleading with God that he would do something, because you're not sure if you're ever going to see these people again. Man, and if y'all can do that there, then y'all can do that here too. Every day in your life, Jesus lived with an urgency, because he knew that life or death was at stake. And so as, as we're going through these four things, is, is how I would sum up how Jesus lived his life. Obeying God, loving unbiasedly, serving sacrificially, and living intentionally. But, but not only do we need to start looking like Jesus, we have to stop looking like the world. If you look in Ephesians 4, Paul, Paul writes something to us in 4, 21 through 23. He said, but that is not the way you learned about Christ, assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And so, so what he's saying here, he's saying, hey, if you're trying to look like Jesus, if you're saying you know Jesus, then this is what you need to do to look like him. He says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to be put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so what he's saying is, man, you have this old life that's full of corrupt and deceitful desires that are leading you in a place far from God. And what God does when he saves you, if he, he grabs your heart and gives you all these new desires. Man, he grabs you and gives you this new life to live that looks differently. It looks like him. And, and so what I want you to do, I have these two houses up here. I'm not sure if everyone can see them. But uh, if you could see this house, this house is a little jacked up, yes? I mean, most of y'all wouldn't want to live in a house that looked like this, correct? It's a little small, but, um, I mean, this isn't a center for ants, though, is what I need you to know. This is, this is a replication of our lives. And so this house is going to be our new lives. This is going to be the new house that God's giving us. And this is going to be our old lives. Does that make sense? And so what, what God's saying is he's saying, hey, you have this old life, this old house, and, and he uses this word in that text, and it's translated renovate. And so if any of you have ever seen the show Home Makeover, you get this idea of renovate, where, where someone goes in and takes a house like this, and they're saying, man, this house is messed up, it's dangerous, there's things going on, there's walls falling down, the roof is all over the place, it's kind of crazy, it's not safe. And what we have to do is we have to tear the whole thing down to build something better that's safe and new. And that's what God's saying we have to do with our lives. I mean, he's saying you have to, to start taking the pieces off that don't need to be there. And you have to build this new house, and it looks differently. I mean, it, it looks differently. And so he says you have to take the rotten walls 
and the old carpet. You have to get that stuff out so you can fill it up with new things, new things that are safe and good. Man, he's saying your new house is supposed to look like Jesus, not like the old stuff. And, and it uses this strong terminology. It says to put off. And, and that would literally be like, like me saying, like taking a hammer and like beating this thing, like ripping something off, ripping walls off, tearing things off. And he's saying, this is what you need to do to the things in your life that don't need to be there. You need to rip it out. You need to take a hammer to it. You need to break it into pieces because it doesn't need to be there. Because you can't put new things in if the old stuff's still there. You can't do that. And, and, and the problem is that I think we face here, as, and, and y'all face, and I think that a lot of y'all in this room are facing, is that we're filling up our new houses with the stuff that's in the old house. And, and, and that's insane. Like, that doesn't make sense. Why would you take stuff out of a house that's dangerous and unsafe and then build your new house with the same stuff in it? Like, everyone can acknowledge common sense logically that that makes no sense whatsoever. And he's saying, but, but if you're walking in sin and your life doesn't look like Jesus, then that's exactly what you're doing. Because if, if you're trying to look like Jesus, you can't look like the world. Paul writes in Ephesians 5.3, he starts listing some things. He's saying, hey man, if you're building this new house, this stuff can't be found in your house. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covet- covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, who has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. And so I know what happens when someone begins saying things like that. There's there's a large majority of the crowd that's like, okay, I knew this. Christianity is just a bunch of rules. It's just a bunch of do and do nots. But that's not what he's saying here. And You remember when I, I started off, I said that identity defines action, right? And he's saying, all he's saying there is if that you're saying you're a Christian then your life has to look like it. He's saying, he's saying you can't call yourself a Christian and your life look like it used to. It can't look like the world's life, like everyone else, because that doesn't make any sense. Man, so he's saying if, if, if you're walking around and you have sexual immorality in your life, how is that showing people who Jesus is? If you're lying, stealing, he's like, that doesn't make any sense. That would be like when we're saying our identity is a football player. I'm like, okay, I'm a football player. I'm going to the game. And I'm bringing a tennis racket and a baseball glove, and we're going to go to town. But that, that doesn't make any sense because those actions don't follow that identity. And so he's saying if you're calling yourself a Christian, then your, your life should look like that. It should look like Jesus, not like the world. And, and so maybe there's some of y'all in here, and, and you're like, okay, Jeremy, I get this whole imitating Jesus thing. I get this, you know, okay, obey God, serve sacrificially, love unbiasedly. Live intentionally. Okay, I get all that. That makes sense. If I want to look like Jesus, I need to do those things. And I get the whole house thing that if, if God's building this new house, then I can't be filling up my new house with, with all the pieces in the old house. That doesn't work, right? He says, so I get all that, but, but here is my question. Why would I even want to do that? Why, why would I even want to look like Jesus? What's the benefit? What's my motivation? 
Man, and I am so glad that you're asked. Because what, what Paul says in Ephesians 5.2 is so powerful. Like, you need to read this. If you have our Bibles, I just want you to, to look at this. He says, walk in love. Live a life of love. Why? Because Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You, you want to know why your life should look like Christ? Because he's the greatest thing ever. Because he was God in the flesh and, and he, he wrapped himself and came down to earth and lived a perfect life. Man, you want, you want to know why your life should look like his? It's because as he lived his life, he never even lived it for himself. He lived for everyone else. Man, and then you know what everyone did? How they responded to that? Is, is they beat him within an inch of his life. And they, they put a robe on him and a crown on him and mocked him and said, surely this is the king of the Jews. And they put a Roman cross on his back and made him march to the place where he's going to die. Man, and if you've ever wondered how people die when, when they get put on a cross, and it's not by, by all the physical pain and torment that they suffer through. It's, it's a slow death by suffocation. And what, what begins to happen is, is as you hang there, man, your, your chest cavity begins to sink, and you become unable to breathe. So at, at this point, you have two options. You can choose to just give in and die, or you can raise off of the nails that they nailed your feet into the cross with and pull yourself up just to gasp in a breath, just to fall back down and do that process over and over again. And, and, and this is what you need to know, students. Jesus went through all of that, but more than any of that, he, he took our sin on the cross. Man, and, and the Bible talks about God's wrath towards sin. Man, and you know what? I don't understand all the complexities of the wrath of God and what that looks like, but I know it was so intense that when Jesus was on the cross that God had to look away from his son because he couldn't look at that because it was so horrible. Man, and so... Maybe for some of y'all, y'all are just like, man, I don't even know if I believe in this God. You know, I'm not even sure. I, I don't even know if your Bible is true. Man, and I'm not even sure about this whole imitating Jesus thing. But this is what I know. Man, if there is someone out there that would go through all of that for me, man, he is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to live my life or he's worthy to live and look like. Man, you have to get who Jesus is, man, that he came and he died for you and he loves you and he wants to save you. Man, look at what he's done. Christianity isn't a bunch of rules. It's not a bunch of do and do nots. It's that there's this God that loves you and he came down and he wants to save you. Man, that's what it's about. And so, so, so here's my question for you students. Man, what does your life look like? Man, are you, are you filling up your life with all these old things that God saved you from? Man, he's saying that doesn't look like Jesus. Man, if you're identifying yourself as a Christian, if you want to look like Jesus, if you want to imitate God, man, your, your actions should look like that too. Man, and, and you know what? To be honest, it's a painful process. Man, for some of y'all, maybe you'll have to get honest with some people about what's going on in your life. You have to get some people that you trust and that care for you. You have to get accountable and say, man, there's some old stuff that's still in my life, and I have to get it out of there. I have to go in and, like, like it was saying, I have to rip it out because it's not supposed to be there, and it doesn't look like Jesus. And so here's my main point for us tonight before we close. 
Imitating Jesus means we daily follow his example and continue to look more like him and less like the world. So, so here's my question, students. What do you look like? Is, is this what your life looks like? Are you filling it with all of these broken things and these broken pieces? Man, or does your life look like this beautiful thing that God's creating and God's, and it looks like Jesus and people can see that? What does your life look like? Man, my, my prayer for us is that every day we would just go out and that people who don't even know Jesus, man, and they say, hey, there's something about you. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I want it. And you can just say, man, it's just Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you've done on the cross. We thank you that Jesus came down. We thank you that you've loved us so much that you would put your son through that. God, we can't begin to imagine what that was like to see your son hang on the cross. But we're so thankful that you would love us enough. Man, and, and my prayer for us is, is, is just that we would begin to look like Jesus. And, and maybe you're in here and, and you, you're like, man, this whole God thing, I'm confused. I don't get it. I don't even know if I know him. But, but if Jesus really went through all of that for me because he loves me, man, then, then I want him more than anything. Man, so maybe there's some of you in, in this room today who's just like, man, I, I've never known who this Jesus is, and I, I'm not even sure if I understand everything, but if everything you've said tonight is true, then I want that Jesus. Man, and, and if you're out in the crowd, everyone with their head bowed, man, man, if that's you tonight, if you could put your hand up and let us know that that's you, because we want to walk with you through this. You shouldn't go through this life alone. Awesome. And, and, and for everyone else in here who, who's Christians and, and who, who say they know Jesus and who say their identity is, is, is like Christ, man, what does your life, life look like? What does your house look like? Does it look like Jesus or does it look like the world? Man, my, my prayer and plea for us is that as, as we go out of this room, that we don't leave this room tonight until we resolve those old things in our life. Until we, we rip it out and throw it away so that our lives look like Jesus. God, we ask you to move in this place tonight. God, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for Jesus on the cross. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.